What's up, UXers? This episode has been a little slow to launch because basically the process that I'm going to teach you in this episode, this process for getting a side hustle up and running works too well. The side hustle that I started back in November of creating an online course for Object Door and UX is already basically my full-time job and only about six months later. So completely unrelated to COVID, I've taken my business from client work and in-person workshops to teaching an online certification course. I'm only in the second cohort of the course and it has not completely replaced my main hustle income, but it's providing enough for me to fully focus on it. So I recorded this episode actually back in January, right before launching another online course, my very first online course, Side Hustle Bootcamp, which is currently available on udemy.com. Basically, I created a course on side hustles to help me with my own side hustle of creating an object-oriented UX online course. This episode of the podcast is basically a high-level, quickie version of that course. I hope it's valuable and that it inspires you to take the actual course online, especially if the current state of the world has you rethinking your career path. I think this is going to be so, so helpful for you. Okay, so a bit more real talk. This course, the, the course itself, is a manifestation of the principles that I teach in the course. That includes ideas like, publishing over perfection and starting small. So as a result, this course is a little rough around the edges. I had a goal of getting it out, getting a first course out, learning from that. And I wanted to create something that had really valuable content. And I just, I really wanted to share what has worked for me in the past to move my career forward and move it in a really intentional way. But the video quality ain't great, and the audio quality is pretty amateur, and the, the editing, um, I know that I'm going to look back on it in a year and just cringe, but I also haven't really marketed the course, so it just it hasn't gotten a whole lot of traction. This is probably, this podcast is probably the biggest marketing push I've done so far. I think I sent out one email about it. So as of today, the course has only one review, and it is a completely for- unforgiving two-star review. And just as a footnote, that person only made it about a quarter of the way through an only two-hour course. So just take it with a grain of salt. But this is what happens. This is what happens when you put stuff out there. Sometimes people are going to crap on it, even if you spent 100 hours on it. And even if you know without a doubt that it's incredibly valuable, sometimes people are just, they're just not going to be able to see past your beginner skills to that really good content. But that's just part of the process. It's what you have to go through. And I'm going through it with my process of trying to create more online courses. So hopefully you'll decide to give it a try and you'll forgive me of my learning curve when it comes to some of the production value. Definitely have a listen here first and see if these ideas make sense to you. If so, check out the links in the show notes. There is a link for a free pass to the course through May 24th and a $10 pass that expires on May 26th. So if you are listening after that, the course is only 20 bucks and all the profits are going to New Story Charities Neighborhood Fund. Okay, enjoy and good luck on your side hustle. What's up, UX designers? Welcome to the UX Hustle Podcast. This is a show about having fun designing intuitive and valuable experiences and crafting a fulfilling career within UX design. Now here's your host, Sophia Wojciechowski-Prater. What's up, UXers? I want to talk about 
one of my favorite subjects, career reinvention, transformation, and myself, <laughs> and how I've done it in the past. So I'm going to go through five strategies that have worked for me, basically five strategies that combat five very common challenges when it comes to elevating your side hustle. If you have something on the side, if you're trying to make some sort of career transformation where you want your side thing that's like not getting very much attention to basically be taken more seriously by yourself, I'm going to talk about ways that I've done that and basically I've ways that I've brought my side hustles front and center into my full-time gig. So this whole thing is very, very meta. So I'm going to try to break this down on how it's meta and hopefully I won't get confused. But okay, I am making this episode, this podcast episode as a companion piece to an online course called Supercharging Your Side Hustle that I'm going to be releasing on Udemy as I release this episode. I'm going to charge about 15 bucks for it, but all the profits are going to go to New Story Charity. And I'll talk a little bit more about that actually within the course and why I'm doing that. So I'm making the online course version as a way to get started with online courses. So one of my big goals for 2020 is to be to turn uh, Object Orient UX into an online course. So you guys probably know from listening to the podcast, Object Orient UX, that is my main hustle. It wasn't always that way, though. But the next evolution of OUX is to basically make it more accessible for people so I can scale teaching it. So I teach it full time now, but usually that is within or always that is within a live scenario. Um, I've done a few webinars, but those are also live as well. So the next evolution is definitely to get Object Oriented UX into a format where I can make it more accessible to people. Um, so you don't necessarily have to be um, at a conference that I'm teaching at or working at a company that has hired me to come in. So that's the big goal. But and if you're interested in that course and when you can um, when you can sign up for that course, the Object Oriented UX one, make sure to get on my newsletter. It's rewiredux.com/newsletter because I'll be sending out emails about when that is going to be out. So one of the things that I have been doing to um, get started with online courses is I've been doing a lot of studying. And one of the ways that I've been doing that is through a podcast that I've been listening to called Online Course Masters. And I'll talk a little bit more about the podcast later in this episode. But one piece of advice just through binging um, the, I think, hundreds of episodes that Phil Ebner has, one pattern that I've seen is that all of his interviewees, basically, he interviews successful people that have been successful in the online course space. And this pattern that I've seen is they all say in one way or another, don't start with your opus. So in other words, don't start with like the big, huge, ambitious thing that you've been dreaming about for years, which for me would be that online course on Object Orient UX, that is going to be a pretty epic course. It's basically downloading my entire process. Um, it's very ambitious. And what these guys say on his podcast and when he's interviewing them over and over again, when he asks, what, what advice would you give for people that are starting off in online courses? They all say, just start with something small. 
And the reason being is you're going to make so many mistakes in the front end. So start with a just small thing that maybe you're interested in. Um, and that's basically what I'm doing with the side hustle course. The side hustle course is is like its own side hustle in a weird way, but it's basically practice. It's helping me figure out how to how to navigate this online course space with something that's small and manageable. If that's not enough of meta-ness, here's, this is like really snake eating its tail stuff. But one of the core strategies that I'm going to be talking about in this episode and in my side hustle course is about starting small. Okay, and this is not the only place that the whole thing gets really meta. I have taken my side hustle and I have brought it front and center like I was talking about before. I've done that twice in my life. So first, that was going from agency life as a UX designer to being self-employed. And the second time, basically going from being self-employed um, as sort of a UX for hire, though, so still having a lot of clients, basically making all my money for from client work to becoming a UX trainer and coach and thought leader in my process in object oriented UX. So I've already done that twice. So in 2019, about 70% of my income came from training and coaching and going and doing workshops within companies and at conferences. So I'm on the right path there. I'm looking like 2020, I'll be able to almost 100% be just teaching object-oriented UX. So for that third transformation is doing this online course thing so that I can Online courses is one thing. Um, You know, guys may or may not know I have a card game as well. So perfecting and I shouldn't say perfecting, improving and marketing that card game. And maybe there's some, there's an ebook out there maybe that I can, an ebook out there in the ether that I can, that I can somehow grasp onto and turn into a product. But how can I turn object-oriented UX into something that I can scale? Because the problem with those workshops where I am there live is I have to be there live and I have to be there and I can't scale it. So actually, what you'll see in the online course, if uh, you decide to take it, and what I'm going to talk about in this episode is how I actually am using my own strategies for that third transformation. I've been using these strategies through all the the transformations, but now I've sort of formalized them. I've created exercises, and I'm actually going to be doing my own exercises to help myself along on this third transformation. So basically, I'm going to be eating my own dog food, as we say in the software industry, and documenting that and kind of taking you through that and showing you, okay, here's the strategy, and here's how I used it in the past, and here's how I'm using it right now to do this third transformation. Does that make sense? I hope. I think we're in like some sort of weird fractal of inception right now, but hopefully you get the gist of sort of what we're trying to do here. And if not, you know what, it doesn't really matter. We're just going to go into the strategies and um, that's where the real meat is. Okay. So just a couple of things on what the course has, the online course has that this podcast episode doesn't have. So the main thing is you're going to get, um, you're going to get some worksheets to actually help you with the brainstorming and actually walk you through each of the strategies And then I'm also going to have three characters along for the ride, three fictional people, sort of 
based on true stories. And we'll be taking, we're not just going to talk about my story, but we're going to be looking at their three stories and applying the strategies to what they're going through. So we're going to have an admin at the DMV who wants to be a jewelry designer. We're going to have a customer service representative who's looking to get into UX and also an electrical engineer looking to start his own handyman business. So these three characters are going to, we're going to look at them, each of them through the lens of these five strategies and see how they would fill out the worksheets, see what kind of brainstorming we can do to help them out. So it'll give you a little bit more context, a little bit more inspiration, and actually just, it'll be way more actionable. So basically the podcast is going to give you most of the high level information, but the course is going to actually help you implement it. And James Clear wrote in Atomic Habits, which if you haven't read, make sure to read it. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. And what I'm going to be talking about today, all these strategies, these are strategies for creating systems. And I tell you what, the quality of the systems that I have created in my life are a direct correlation to my success. But there is another key ingredient in creating systems. Your systems need to help you take action. So I do have some systems for introspection, which is important, like journaling and meditation and that kind of thing. But most of my systems are built to help me do. So if you listen to previous episodes, uh, episode three and episode seven in particular are all about how I've become more action oriented, how I've gone from this sort of dreamer, planner person who would spin my wheels a lot in like my sketchbook, but actually not get anything up and running to a very action oriented person. So check out those episodes if you're that sort of dreamer person and you need some more advice on that. This is kind of like, I guess, I guess it's like a little series. Um, Actually, you know what? I think I called it a series, UXing Your Life. Yes. So just we'll consider this episode three of the UXing Your Life series. So check back to episode three and seven if um, you want to hear more about that. Um, But these, because I am more on the dreamer side, the systems that I create are systems to help me with the doing. So if you're in that boat where you have a side hustle that maybe is still a napkin sketch, or it's just something you've been thinking about for a really long time. Um, or like maybe you've done some action, but you're just not really, it hasn't become an integral part of your life. Then this podcast episode is going to be super helpful. And hopefully you'll find the course is something that you want to check out as well. There's a Chinese proverb that I absolutely love to know and not do is to not know. And These systems are all about getting you to take action, to start doing, experimenting, and put yourself out there. Okay. All right. Finally, let's, let's actually jump into the first of the five strategies. So the first strategy, um, tackles the challenge of your day job, taking everything out of you. You are exhausted at the end of the day. You feel like everything is sucked up into your nine to five in your commute. And the last thing you want to do at the end of the day is to sit down and work on your side hustle. So basically, like your daily grind and what is probably paying your paycheck is sort of crowding out your ability to focus on your side hustle. Super annoying, but probably a fact of life for you. So the first thing I want you to think about is how can you leverage your day job? This is not, we're not talking about time management here. We're not talking about how can you get those little pockets of the day. We're going to talk about that in a second. 
This is talking about the time that you already have with your day job. How can you tweak it and sort of wiggle around to make that day job feed into that side hustle a little bit. So getting really intentional about what are your tasks in your day job? What could you like maybe do more of and less of? How can you find the overlap on what your existing tasks are and what you're wanting to do? And and basically like how can you practice while you're on the clock? So this is assuming that you already have this full-time job that is crowding out the side hustle. And just figuring out ways you can get momentum by reframing and refactoring the work that you are already doing. So you might think that your day job is just like a complete far cry from what you actually want to be doing. But with some creative brainstorming, I bet we can find out one or two, it doesn't take many, but just one or two small ways you can be practicing or working on your side hustle during your day job. How can we build a bridge, right? How can we build a bridge from where you are now in your nine to five to something that feels a little bit more like your side hustle? And how can you infuse this practice while you're on the clock? I look back at my career and I think about what am I doing right now with object-oriented UX? In many ways, what OOUX is really good for is helping capture requirements, in like a fun color-coded way. It helps you figure out the bones of the thing. Like, what does this thing need to be about? What does it need to do um, before you start wireframing? And in my past, I worked on a lot of really requirements-heavy projects that were just (laughs) the most mind-numbing things. Like, I'm talking Word documents of requirements like 600 pages long. I'm not even joking. Excel files with like 15 tabs across the bottom that are just like, you know, have eight columns and you're tracking requirements and basically your wireframe has to track like this bit of the wireframe is actually fulfilling these requirements and you're mapping it to basically say like, okay, this design has met all of these requirements. And it was a nightmare, to be honest with you. With the um, advent of Agile, we see a lot less of that, that those kind of really requirements-heavy projects. I bet they're still out there. I bet a few of you people listening are dealing with projects like that. So I was working on these projects that were big headaches, and I started just thinking there's got to be a better way to capture these and make sure that like we know what the thing has to do. We've basically taken research turn them into requirements, and then turn that into design in a way that makes sense. At two of my jobs in the past, I look back to them and I noticed that I was actually, I carved out time by talking to my bosses and saying, hey, what if we design a better way to capture requirements? This could be something that would be good for our agency, as well as maybe something if we create software around it, something that we can sell. And twice, I actually got this turned into a project. It's like what I'm what I was doing in 2011 at my day job is very similar to what I'm doing now. I was just doing it within the context of a nine to five grind. And of course, all the things that I came up with, nothing ever happened with them. And what I do today looks completely different. But I was thinking about those things and I was being proactive enough to say, hey, can we like, can I carve out 10% of my time to be working on this, to be working on better ways of working? And at two different agencies, that answer ended up being yes. And then actually my first project or one of my, one of my first clients 
at Rewired, the, my company today, was with Axure, which many of you may know Axure is a, a very, um, very popular wireframing tool. I actually worked with Axure on figuring out how they could better uh, integrate requirements management. Uh, so I did a research project with them, and that was one of my very first clients. So um, it really does, it, there's, I have deep roots in actually this sort of type of thinking of the design of the design process by really figuring out how I could integrate it into what, into sort of the context of my day to day. So what am I doing to do this now? So this is kind of um, weird because I'm self-employed. So I have a whole lot of wiggle room in what I want to do now. But there's things that I'm doing now to sort of prep me to be able to take this next evolution. So as much as possible, I'm trying to shy away from client work and just focus on the teaching. So even the, the last half of um, 2019, I didn't take on any client work. And I really just put my nose to the grindstone and, and getting as many workshop gigs as possible. Now, these were live workshop gigs, but I know that those applied more to teaching online courses than the client work where I'm just, you know, I'm doing the work for the client instead of teaching them how to do it. Also focusing this podcast, you'll hear in coming episodes throughout the year, they're going to be very much more focused on object-oriented UX. So Hopefully that's something that you're interested in. And um, I'm going to be interviewing people that are practicing object-oriented UX and how it's helping them. So I am basically taking this thing that is already part of my routine. I already have it in my rhythm and I'm trying to focus the content more on this thing that I'm trying to get out there, which is teaching object-oriented UX. Okay, hopefully that makes sense. So the second strategy that I want to talk about deals with the overwhelm. This feeling that you have so much to do, you don't know what to do next. There is just a fire hose of information of things that you need to learn and things that you need to become to basically get that side hustle to become a reality. So to deal with the overwhelm, the best way that I have found to do this is calendar blocking. Did you know I was going to say that? I've probably talked about calendar blocking maybe in like every single episode it comes up somehow. But when I was talking about systems and how systems are a direct correlation to me being successful in the things that I want to do and getting those things out there, the number one system, like the overarching system is calendar blocking. Just putting things that you want to do on the calendar. I actually print my calendar every day. So to calendar block, um, I'm probably going to do another online course just on calendar blocking. Um, Actually, I will do it. It's just a matter of when it's going to (laughs) happen. Put it on the calendar. Uh, But basically what you're trying to do here is find pockets of time. And then you want to like match the thing you're trying to do, your content type, I guess, with the activities. So the simplest example is I'm commuting. Okay, listen to a podcast. You can take in audio content. You can be learning from um, from podcasts and audiobooks. So when I'm doing my daily walk, I walk for about an hour a day. I'm definitely, I have a skew of podcasts that I'm listening to, like the Online Course Masters podcast. I've just been binging that. And it's really helped me so much to understand what this whole world is all about. And I put that shit on the calendar, guys. I literally, I cannot stress it enough. I put, I block out every minute of my day. 
Does it always go as planned? Never. Never once do I follow it minute to minute, but it's basically a template for the day. So I know really kind of like this is what I'm, this is my archetype for the day. This is what I really want my day to look like. I'm not going to beat myself up when I'm like 30 minutes off or even three hours off sometimes, but it will always be more intentional and I will always get more done if I hadn't done that. So what this looks like for me now is I've created sort of a rhythm. So what I'm trying to do, because now I'm like 100% in online courses mode. Um, so I have three blocks of deep work in my day. I have a morning block of deep work and then two afternoon blocks of deep work. And how I'm trying to create that rhythm is I'm basically saying my mornings are for that, that learning content. So I have a online course on creating online courses, of course, I've been taking that course and that I do in the morning. I have a couple books, which I'm going to talk about later, that I have been reading those in the morning, listening to podcasts, that kind of thing, taking notes, uh, really just figuring out the ropes. So I do that in the morning. And then after lunch, my first deep work block is about doing and creating, like shooting video, making things happen, producing And then that last block is more about the marketing, the publishing, figuring out how to get this stuff out there. So that's my basic rhythm of the day. So I have sort of a a template for the day, and then I put the individual activities in that template. So the way that calendar blocking, I go into it a little bit more detail in the course and show some more examples of how that could work. It's kind of like that, like eating the elephant one bite at a time. It's helping you break down the task in a manageable way and you get better at it. It's definitely a skill that at first I didn't know how long things took me. I would schedule way too many things in the day and then be like, ah, I didn't get anything done. And now I have this like really pretty good sense of how long stuff takes me and I don't pack in too many things in the day so I can break down those tasks into these like manageable 90 minute, two hour chunks of those sort of that, of that deep work. And I know I'm going to get that thing done. Okay. For the third strategy, this is a strategy to combat imposter syndrome. This idea of like, who am I? Who am I to go for that? big, crazy goal. And the funny thing is, is like the more excited you are about the goal, probably the more you're to feel that you don't deserve it because it just seems so awesome. You're like, who am I to be, uh, to have my own jewelry Etsy store? Like, you know, I was never, I was never thought of as creative as a kid. And you go into like all those rabbit holes of why you're not good enough to have this awesome life that you imagine. Okay, so really, really practical tip for this on how to combat imposter syndrome. And this is, this is literally, this is just, this is what helped me. This is what made me, you know, I occasionally will feel imposter syndrome here and there, but like, not really. I mean, only when I'm really stretching myself and it's kind of like a place that I feel comfortable in, it's hard to describe, but it's something that like imposter syndrome has morphed into something else where it's like not a bad thing. It's just something where I'm like, ooh, like I'm really stretching myself here. I'm getting to a place where I don't know what I'm doing and I'm just going to be really candid about it because I have this, you know, sense of confidence. And where does that come from? How do you do it? Teach what you need to learn. Teaching, teaching, teaching. Teach other people's. Teach other people's. Teach other people. 
how do you do that? How do you like act like an expert when you don't feel like an expert? You act like an expert. That's what you do. And I'm not trying to tell you to pull the wool over people's eyes or be disingenuous, but this is the idea of walking the walk and doing it in an authentic way, doing it in an authentic way where you might be saying, you know, I'm going to, let's say you're a entry-level UX designer and you really, really want to get into information architecture. So I hope there's lots of you guys out there. Maybe what you can do is you can learn a little bit about information architecture and then pitch a lightning talk at a conference or um, something or even a meetup or even just like host a lunch where you say, I'm going to talk about information architecture from a beginner's perspective. And you actually frame it as that you're a beginner, but that you're bringing a fresh perspective. So there's ways that you can start teaching in a way that is not trying to be something that you're not. You still want to be yourself, but how can you recognize that you have something to give? So how does this help? How does this actually help you deal with imposter syndrome? Well, what it does is it helps you reinforce all the stuff that you're learning. It helps tell you, tell yourself that as you as you learn something and then you go back and you teach it you're going to you're going to learn it you're going to make it stronger you're going to make stronger connections um with the actual material which will then make you feel more confident okay so example here all the teaching of object oriented ux it didn't just make the teaching better it actually made the product better too it made oux better and it made it good enough to turn into a card game and turn into an online course and turn it into a professional certification. It was because of all that teaching that actually like made the thing better. So whatever it is that you're trying to do, that you're trying to accomplish, if you can teach that thing, it might feel really, really uncomfortable. Like my very first object UX workshop was a disaster looking back on it. I had no idea what I was doing. And through it, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like, what am I doing in front of these people? But the thing is, is after it was over, I think, well, the next time I do that, it's going to be so much better. And now I just learned so much from teaching it. I learned what works, what doesn't work. I learned what kind of questions I'm going to get. I, I, people ask questions and I actually learned that I did have some answers to those questions, even though I didn't articulate them very well. And then the questions I didn't have answers to, I could go and find the answer to those questions and then be feel much more prepared for the next time. So it's like it ends up being something that feeds itself. So once you get up, you position yourself as an expert and as completely heart-wrenchingly uncomfortable as that feels to be positioning yourself as an expert when you don't really feel like it, you're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're actually making yourself into an expert because through the act of teaching, you are learning it. God, I hope that makes sense. Okay, so just just think about this cycle. This is true, just ultimate truth here. Teaching about the product, whatever that product is, for me, it's a process. For you, it might be jewelry. For somebody else, it might be yourself as a UX designer. Um, Maybe it might be your product might be another service that you want to do on the side, like illustration or something like that. So teaching about the product makes the product better. Making the product better makes it more important to teach it. So basically what happened is as I taught object-oriented UX, I made object-oriented UX better. 
as object-oriented UX got better, it became more and more important for me to teach it. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to share this with people because it's so awesome. And it became awesome by teaching it. Okay, so how am I doing this now? How am I teaching what I need to learn? This course, the podcast, I'm basically saying like, I need to execute on something really scary. I need to basically take my career to a new transformation um, to, to the next level. And how can I do that? Well, I'll teach other people how to do it. So I'm teaching a side hustle course and I'm recording a podcast on side hustles. I'm also doing it in various formats. So not only am I doing the course, I'm doing, of course, this podcast. Um, I'm also teaching Elevating Your Side Hustle as a as a workshop at the next Ladies at UX meetup. So I'm actually going to be teaching it live as well. And the value in that, like, let's say you are, let's use the jewelry designer example. So let's say you are wanting to start a jewelry design company and you can either to sort of teach about jewelry design to make your own jewelry design better. You might say, I'm going to host a dinner where with just some friends and I'm going to teach you like how to make this cool design. Then you might also say, I'm going to make, turn that into a video and put that on, put that on YouTube. Doesn't matter if anybody actually watches it or not. I'm just going to take it into a different format to help solidify it for you. So as I am talking through all of this stuff now, as I am teaching you all of these things, I am embedding it in my own brain, right? I am now going to be better at elevating my own side hustle because I'm teaching you guys how to do it. Okay. The fourth, the fourth strategy is all about combating finishing. And if you feel like you don't finish things, um, if you feel like you're really good at getting things started, but not so good at finishing. So this one is kind of a no brainer, kind of a cliche, give yourself deadlines. So we all know that the work sort of expands to fit the time it's given. And without deadlines, it's really, really hard to avoid perfectionism. You'll just keep working on it and keep working on it because it always can be a little bit better. And if there's no deadline, then it'll just keep going and it'll just keep getting incrementally more and more perfect. But will it really be perfect? No, because without getting it out there, you're not going to get any feedback. And so it'll be a perfect thing in like your mind's eye, but then you'll get it out there and you'll be like, oh, I should, I took a, I took a wrong turn eight steps ago. So giving yourself deadlines and baking accountability into those deadlines is huge. So we talk about forced function, um, a lot. Um, well, I talked about it when, um, on user defenders podcast and my interview there, and then my, um, an episode with Carolyn, I don't know if it's going to come out before or after this episode, but we talk about force functions as well. And basically this means committing to something that feels a little scary, committing to something that feels a little bit beyond yourself, and then you will figure it out along the way. So an example that I give all the time, this story, and sorry if you've heard this story before, but my very first speaking gig was with UX Week, like my big, my big speaking gig was with UX Week. That was Adaptive Pass Conference. Um, this is uh, 2013. And I did a talk on what was the embryonic ideas of object-oriented UX. I wasn't calling it that then. Um, and then the talk went well. And in January, Jesse James Garrett, the organizer of the conference, emailed all the speakers and said, Hey, we're, um, 
We're wondering who you would recommend to speak at this year's conference for the 2014 conference. And I just emailed back shamelessly, said, just raised my hand, said, me, 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 pick me. I would love to do my talk in the form of a workshop. And I had no idea what that would look like. I really, I just knew that I was on to something, but I didn't know what it would be. So um, he said yes. And I basically then had eight months to figure out how to turn my talk into a workshop and basically committed to something way before I had figured it out, actually what I was going to deliver. So there is a woman that I've been following. Her name is Grace Lieber. She's sort of a a teacher in the online course space. And I took one of her webinars and she said, sell it, then build it. And I just think that that is great advice. So let's say you're trying to think about getting into public speaking to use that example. Don't wait till you have all your slides perfect and you've rehearsed it before you try to get your gig. Like get the gig first. Get the gig at a meetup or a a, a local conference or something like that. Get the gig and then figure it out. So write your little pitch. So step one, write the pitch. Step two, send it out to a bunch of meetups and conferences, apply, then get the gig, then figure out what your slides are going to look like and rehearse all your talking points, then figure all that out, out, all that stuff. So how am I doing this now? How am I setting up deadlines now? So I set up the side hustle workshop with Ladies at UX. So that is February 17th, come hell or high water. And then this is also what I'm doing for the OUX course. So ideally, this course will be something with like beautifully polished online videos, um, some support content, some one-on-ones, all that great stuff. But right now, I am running a beta certification. So I have 15 people signed up for this and it's going to be taught as a series of live webinars. So I wrote the plan for it. So this is the outline. This is what you're going to learn. This is the transformation that you should expect. I put a price tag on it. I sent it out to about 30 or 40 people that I knew would might be interested in um, and, and that I knew would like give really good feedback. And 15 people said yes to it. So now I'm really on the hook, aren't I? Um, Do I have the first couple webinars planned? Yes, I do. Do I have all of them planned? No, I do not. But now all those webinars are on the calendar and they're going to have to happen. There's an outline and people have actually, there's so much accountability because it's these 15 amazing people that have paid good money and I'm going to do everything in my power to make it amazing. Other ways that you can give deadlines that I'm doing now is I have, you can do it through quantity of stuff. So on like a weekly or a daily basis or monthly basis even, and just figure out a way to track it. So I'm tracking how much video content I'm creating. I especially for things that you have the most resistance to. So for me, that's recording. So actually like setting up all the equipment and, you know, getting everything, getting my script ready and figuring out all that stuff. Oh, that takes getting over some inertia. So I have a weekly deadline of recording at least two hours of audio or visual content at least two hours every week. And I am tracking that. And then you can also just another way to do it is you can create deadlines with investments. So Um, I actually invested, I invested a thousand dollars in a course creation course, which sounds crazy. Probably the biggest value of that is like, I'm not going to let that money go to waste. So I'm going to do every exercise that this woman puts in front of me. I, there's checkpoints, there's, uh, there's, uh, weekly webinars or 
uh, bi-monthly webinars. So I'm going to go to each of those webinars to make sure that I am getting the most out of that money um, as possible. So giving yourself deadlines or accountability by actually like putting some money on the line and taking, it comes back to like taking yourself seriously. So the last thing I'll mention on deadlines, something cool that happened is um, a few weeks ago, I messaged Phil Ebner of the Online Course Masters podcast. And I just said, hey, Phil, I'm a UX designer, public speaker, UX coach. Here's what I'm doing. I explained what I was doing. And I said, I have a goal of being on your podcast. I want to be a success story that you interview by the end of this year. And I didn't expect him to write back. I just messaged him on Facebook. I basically told him, like, that's my goal is to to be a guest for you, to be a success story. And he wrote me back. He wrote me back and he said, can't wait to have you on the show to share your success story. He wrote a little bit more than that. But basically, like, opened it up and said, yeah, we'll have you on. Just go make that happen. Go make yourself a success story. And we would love to have you on the podcast. So I cannot tell you how motivating that is. Just that simple thing, um, a simple back and forth. So think about, is there somebody that you really respect, that you really look up to, that you can just send a quick message to and say, hey, I'm committing to you that I'm going to do this. So think about ways, brainstorm ways that maybe you can create accountability like that. The person doesn't like, Seriously, the deal was sealed even after I wrote him. I didn't even expect it. It was just icing on the cake that he wrote me back, but I already felt motivated just by reaching out to him. So you can ping someone and even if they don't write you back, still you'll get that nice surge of motivation and feeling of accountability. Okay, so the last strategy that we're going to talk about combats this feeling of it just feeling so far away. It just feeling completely out of reach. So this is this is similar to the one about the overwhelm, like, oh, I got so much to do. This is more like you're just paralyzed because where you want to go just feels leaps and bounds from where you are now. And just some perspective, I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, that I wanted to get away from client work. Even when I was working in agencies, I knew that I wanted to work for myself and have my own products. I didn't know what those products were going to be, but... It has taken me, I would say, my entire career, really, to get to where I am now. It's taken me about 10 years to get to the point where, like, I have a knowledge product that I can actually sell. Um, So hopefully it doesn't take you that long. But it's a process. And what you have to do is you have to just take small steps. So here's a metaphor for you that has helped me quite a bit. So this is something that my husband told me. I I have to give him credit for this. But he was saying, how can you be the 8-bit version today? So what we want to do with all these other strategies is we want to get you to that 8-bit version of your side hustle. We're not going to get you straight to the VR version of it, right? If we're thinking video games here. We're not even going to jump you to the 64-bit version. We're going to start you with the 8-bit version. Everything has to go through an evolution. We need to get you to the 8-bit version. And how can you be that 8-bit version right now? This is such a key to achieving momentum, getting started. Starting is the hardest part, y'all. It is seriously, this is why when I go exercise, I commit to exercising for like five minutes. (laughs) Because then I'll know I'll exercise for like 30 minutes if I just get started. But it's like, oh my God, I have to put on shoes. (laughs) So hard. Um, you may or may not have heard of the idea of flossing one tooth. 
If you're trying to get a habit of flossing, just floss one tooth. Just commit to flossing one tooth. And then you usually end up flossing a few more than one one teeth. Blue, what? Hmm? Anyways. So like I mentioned before, the first OUX workshop that I ran, I targeted students. So I just targeted industrial design students and HCI students at Georgia Tech. So I think it was like 90% students. I charged maybe 20 bucks for it. And I did this before taking it to UX week. And I made so many mistakes. I mean, it was rough, but I did it. It was definitely the 8-bit version. It was just a sketch of the workshop, really. But through doing that, I was like, oh, okay, I am actually, I am a workshop instructor. Look at me. Even though I was a a kind of terrible workshop instructor, at least I was a workshop instructor. And now I can move on to making myself better. So in the course, I tell a few more stories about how I use this in the past, but I really want to, I want to wrap this episode up and just talk about, of course, what I'm doing here. This online course that I'm creating on side hustles, this sort of practice course that I've created has helped me say, okay, I am, I, I do understand how online courses work. I have uploaded something to Udemy. So even though it is so true that this course, that if you go look at it, you're going to see so many mistakes, especially in the production. So I forgot to plug in my lav mic once or twice. Um, I actually forgot to plug in my webcam once or twice. There's like pieces where I'm just like, I don't have video. I just have audio right now. Even like the way that I designed the slides, I'm like, "Mm, I can totally do better next time. So the content I think is good. There might be a little bit too much rambling. Um, I'm still getting better at like, how do I get as succinct as possible? It's just been a huge learning experience, but it's put me into the frame of mind. It's made me this 8-bit version of an online course instructor when before uh, it was really just an idea. So in summary, okay, these are the things we're going to do. We're going to leverage our day job figure out how you can integrate whatever your side hustle is into what you're doing, into the, weave it into the nine to five, however you can. Calendar block like a boss. Look it up on YouTube if you want some more help because I don't have an online course yet about it. Um, but calendar blocking is huge. Uh, teach what you need to learn. Give yourself deadlines and be the 8-bit version today. So I sure hope that helped. Please check out the show notes for the link to the online course version of this episode that will really like go in a lot more detail on all of these strategies, give you a lot more uh, scenarios that you can apply to your own side hustle, and also get those worksheets. And remember that the money that you spend on that course, everything is going to go to New Story Charity. All right, UXers, happy side hustling. Thanks for hanging out with the UX Hustle. For show notes and more episodes, go to uxhustle.org slash podcast. And remember, don't wait for inspiration to act. Act to get inspired.